um, that video uh, seems so relevant. That's so 2021. I found that in 2014. I have, I have a video archive of things I've saved over the years, and I found that like a couple weeks ago. I went, this is perfect. It's like 2021, but it's from 2014. So just, just, let, that, just let that sink in. Happy Mother's Day to you. I received a text message, that's why my phone's out, um, from my wife, who's downstairs in the basement teaching right now. And she said, hey, could you let everyone know, ladies, um, that in those boxes, uh, there's a little heart-shaped thing. That is a bath bomb, but it's an aroma one, and it works great in the shower as well. So you just put it on the shower drain, and voila. So, so there you go, important information that we must relay <laughs> during a church service, right? That's, that's what we're talking about. That is absolutely essential information. Um, real quick plug for next week. So excited about next week. I've never preached um, from this book in the Bible before. I've taught lessons, but I've never preached from this book in the Bible. And so I'm looking forward to the challenge myself. I'm actually halfway through the writing process right now, the four weeks. Um, but we're going to go to the book of Jonah next week. And some of you have grown up knowing the book of Jonah. You know who Jonah is. You know the story. And so my prayer is, if you don't, that you'll learn. But my prayers for those that do, we pray that something about this series will make you think a little differently about that book and why maybe it's in God's word for us today. Um, and so that's the challenge. But I love the graphic that, that David was able to create, the banner we were able to make uh, to encourage this. And so please, uh, spread the word. It's, it's going to be hopefully a very challenging series for us as a, as a congregation. Um, and on one little side note, I don't know if I can say this during church or not. I'm not sure. Um, we've begun to... Uh, to experience the limitations, shall we say, that uh, our good friends at the uh, FB put on people that post things online. You know what that place is? Um, those of you know who I'm talking about. Uh, we've, we've experienced that now. We, we've been posting some short videos, and they won't allow us to post them. And so uh, what we're asking you to do is when we do post things, if you're on that little blue square thing, um, repost those things, share those things with lots of other people. For us, because that's the only way that it's going to spread, and so eventually we can't put anything on there. And so for now, we'll continue to use it and challenge that as much as we can. But um, just know, here's what, here's what we said that was so controversial. Um, this was from a few weeks ago from a sermon, and that was simply this, that the greatest need that people have is Jesus. That's what we said that they don't agree with. And so um, just so you know, um, that's, that's us too now. All right, that's us too, and, and it will be more and more and more as time goes on. And so we're thankful for those of you joining us online today. As long as we can, the platform we use is not associated with those things, so uh, it's a good thing. But uh, just, just hey, you know, this is the world we live in, and we got to make the most of every opportunity. In reality, you know, I won't be surprised at all when the day comes where the rules are, uh, you're going to have to tell people about Jesus. You're not going to be able to post it online. You're going to have to talk to them. Yeah, that's kind of the way Jesus did things, and don't be surprised. It's still the most effective way, for the record, all right? So, so keep that in mind. Happy Mother's Day. All right, here's what I've got for you today. I have some great news for you today. Those of you that have been with us the last couple of years know there's something I like to do every single Mother's Day, and that is this. I love to tell you all about the updated Mother's Day Index. You see, there's a study done every single year on mothers, and it tells you what the salary would be for an actual mother if they actually got paid for all of the things that they do throughout the days. It's a fun thing to look at each and 
every year. And so I wondered, last year, the pay increase was gigantic because of the pandemic. It was huge. And so I was very curious as to what would happen. Don't throw that next slide up there yet. Let me get through some of the things. There's 18. They actually added a job. There's 19 jobs on this list now, generically speaking. 15 of those 18 jobs saw wage increases this year, while three either maintained or actually dropped just a little bit. So a few of those, uh, the, the chauffeur and, and uh, shuttle drivers, that went up because, well, you're actually moving again. You're going places again. You're not just staying at home. Um, activity planning went up because you're planning activities again. You're not just staying at home. And um, the, the baker side went up, which I was curious because of the transition, but it's curious. Um, there are a few other things that the meeting and party planner went down. Landscaping was neutral and and the homework helper, you sorry, you didn't get a raise for any homework. A lot of our kids did go back to school this year, and so we, we were out of that gig. In 2020, in 2020, mom's got a 32% increase. She went all the way from $71,297 to $93,920. So I was curious what would happen this year. This year, you got another 23% increase. Congratulations, $116,022. You're a six-digit breadwinner now. In the family, um, if my wife, then, you know, I'd, yeah, it'd be awesome, but uh, nobody's paying that, unfortunately. The best news is you can do all of that in only 183 hours a week. That is impressive. It's only 26.12 hours per day, or 0.14 hours per day. 26 hours a day is all you put in to get that wage. So well done. That is great. You are certainly, there's only 24. Those of you that are just catching on, there's only 24 hours in a day. So literally, mothers, it is impossible to do everything you do within a 24-hour day. And please don't wish for longer days. I, I don't really think you would like the results, right? So keep that in mind. Today, we get to celebrate so many of us, our mothers. Now, I want you to remember a couple things here. First of all, remember that God intended for this role, the role of a mother, to be truly representative of his un conditional love for us. And when you begin to wonder, what does he think of it this way. God chose to send his son to this earth and be birthed from a natural mother. He had an actual mother to raise him. That was intentional. Absolutely. And it's a blessing. But remember this also, that Satan, at every opportunity, will do his best to try to destroy the plans of God. Now, he will not be successful in the end. We know that. But unfortunately, he does have some success along the way. And as a result, he has been able to mess things up for some of us in our relationships with our mothers. And so what I ask of you is this. If you have not had that positive relationship, that positive experience through your upbringing, if you've been possibly even abandoned or abused, we know that's a reality. We know that God did not intend for things to be that way, and God, more than anything, longs to help you heal from those wounds that you might still be experiencing regardless of your age even today. And here's the way God does that. God so often will put people, he'll provide someone in your life to fulfill the role that you missed out on earlier. What you have to be doing is be willing to accept that person into your life. On the flip side, if you are a person who have a heart 
for the men and women who might have been brought up in that upbringing. And you would like to be that mentor or be that advisor or be that comforter or be that person that God wants to use to help those even grown adults heal. Would you please begin having some conversations with the people around you and learn their life experience and learn what they've gone through and realize that God has put you two together for that relationship? At the very least, would you share with some of us in the leadership your life experience and how you would love to help mentor and guide those people that are missing that vital piece of their upbringing so that we can then, God can use us to help connect those dots for them. It is an incredible, incredible thing that God wishes to do to gain that relationship that maybe they missed out on earlier in life. But there's another issue that we obviously have to address, and that is this, how important it is that we show the undying love of Jesus to those that are unable to have children. This is not a new story. We can read through the scriptures and find it throughout, but it seems to be more and more commonplace in the world today. Probably everybody in this room knows someone that has struggled or is struggling to conceive. Some of us can't imagine even what that would be like. The reality is this. God knows your heart, and I cannot tell you, no one can tell you whether it is God's will for you to have a biological child or not, no person can discern that. But what I can tell you is this. I can pretty confidently say that if God has placed within you the desire to raise a child with the love and in the ways of the Lord, then there's going to be a way. There's a pretty good chance God is going to provide an opportunity for you to do just that. What we have to be then is open to the options. You see, you can express your love to children who may never, ever, ever get that experience from their biological parent. So what I want this to be this morning is an encouragement to you. If that's you, if you need help in that world, if you need help filling out the paperwork, you need help with references, you need help in pursuing that foster care, you need help in those things, then would you please come to us as your church family and allow us to assist you on that path because we believe in you and we love you. And if that is God's will and desire and plan for your life, then it'll happen in his way. And that's the hard part for us to understand. Let's go to him in prayer as we begin this morning. Father God, this topic is amazing, but it can also be very challenging. Father, we don't know the circumstances of everyone in the room, but Father, we know your love. And while all of our situations might be different, your love, you never change. And you love each and every one of us the same, regardless of what we've been able to do, have done, or even will do. And Father, I want to lift up a special prayer for those in the room that maybe have had those bad experiences, maybe have been unable to have children, unable to have that relationship that brought them children, I just pray for some encouragement from you. Father, maybe that someone in this room will show those individuals, unknowing of their situation, will show those individuals some love today that maybe they haven't experienced in a long, long time. And Father, there's people within our midst today that have that heart for those that have been brought up in difficult situations and maybe feel still to this very day abandoned or rejected. I pray that we can help you connect those dots so those people can be encouraged and know the love of their Heavenly Father. We love you, and we do thank you for our moms and giving us this time today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Is there anything at all more powerful than a praying mother? Now think of it. Praying mothers have absolutely been known to heal the sick. You can read about it in Scripture if you want. Praying mothers to this day resolve conflict. They protect, protect those in trouble. Praying mothers find a way to persuade judges. They do. Praying mothers bring husbands to Christ. <laughs> they bring home wayward children. They even bring forth people willing to donate a kidney to their husband. <laughs> yeah, it happens. A, a praying mother, a praying wife is a powerful spiritual weapon. Now, their power, of course, is found in the strength of God alone. Their power is found in the faith that they seem to uniquely have to believe that God will hear them and God will absolutely answer their prayers. Many of us have experienced that in life. Now, we're going to focus in on, on a couple, but one main praying mother in Scripture. Her, her name is Hannah, famous praying mother. Her, her story is told in 1 Samuel, beginning in chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead, open in the app on your phone or your tablet, grab a Bible under the seat in front of you. 1 Samuel, we're not going to cover all of it, but, but that way you can read in the gaps if you would like. When we're introduced to her, we're introduced to her as being one of two wives which belong to a man named Elkanah. Now, just so you know, this is one of a lot of people that don't like the Bible, won't believe in it, think it's all terrible. They, this is something they'll point to. Well, they had two wives. Why can't I have two wives? God never, ever, 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 ever once in all of Scripture endorses having two wives. He gave one wife to Adam. And that's our example, period, end of discussion. But somewhere along life's way, man came up with the idea, for whatever reason, that this would be a good plan. But here's the problem. Every single instance recorded in Scripture where there's more than one wife involved, there are terrible results, painful results, sometimes even leading to death. It's an awful, terrible idea. So who cares what other people say? The scriptures are very clear. What the scriptures do is they record what actually happened. They don't edit out the details that aren't flattering. They put them in there to give us yet another example. That being said, Hannah found herself in a very difficult situation because to make matters worse, not only was she one of two wives, but she was the wife that wasn't able to have children while the other wife could. The pain and sorrow of being barren, tremendous, I can't even imagine, but compound that with the situation that Hannah lived in, where she was constantly being ridiculed, made fun of, and everything else compared to that other wife. Now, her husband assured her that he wasn't doing that, but the other woman made sure to do it all of the time. She consistently shamed Hannah because of her lack of children. Every year during a feast that they would go to and go to the temple, this other woman would just pour it on to Hannah. But her faith remained strong somehow, some way. She still was a faithful woman of God. And her prayers were absolutely sincere, and God would hear her cries. You see, because a mother prays believing that God will answer. There doesn't seem to be that skepticism a lot of times that a lot of us men have in our prayer lives. They pray believing. On this particular scene, this particular year that's recorded for us, after suffering the usual ridicule, Hannah begins to starve herself. She fasts. She refuses to eat and then heads to the house of the Lord to pray as she usually would. Her prayer is specifically found in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. It says she was deeply distressed and prayed that the, at, to the Lord and wept bitterly. 
And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. The prayer was short. It was to the point and it was filled with compassion. Not only was, was Hannah putting out this request of God for action, but then she was offering a promise in return to him. Now, I want you to imagine, and some of you don't have to imagine because you've been there. I want you to imagine her cries before her God, her pleas before her God, the passion of this woman's sincere request. Now, it says that her cry was silent, that, that Eli, that the priest, didn't hear what she was saying, but that he observed and her prayer was so intense, her passion was so intense that, that she thought that he thought there was something wrong with her. Maybe she was intoxicated or something like that. There was something not right. Some of you have experienced that level of grief before, where you have been poured out before the Lord and it would have appeared the same scene. Here's what we know. God hears you. Absolutely, he hears you. And he will answer you according to his will. That's why we have to be open to all of the possibilities that God might lay before us. Because a mother confesses her troubled spirit and she cries out to God. That's exactly what Hannah is doing here. After Eli's assumption was made known to her, then she begins to defend her prayers. She pours out to Eli all the struggles, the cause of, of the stress and distress in her life. Mothers, be honest. Right now, do you have a troubled spirit? What do you need to lay before the Lord today? What are you holding in? What aren't you releasing to God. Our challenge for you today is to confess that to the Lord. <laughs> you see, because God knows you have a burden for that wayward child. He absolutely knows. God knows that you want to be reconciled with that loved one. God knows the difficulties that you are experiencing within your relationship. Will you bring them to him today? Here's the really cool thing. Not often in scripture do we get to do potentially exactly the same thing that they did in scripture here in just a few minutes, you're going to have a chance to literally come forward to the altar just as Hannah did and lay those impassioned pleas at the throne of God. We want to challenge you to do that this Mother's Day. In Psalm 34, 17, the author reminds us the righteous cry out and the Lord hears their cries and he delivers them from all their troubles promise. <laughs> That's a promise. So make a list. Make a list of things to cry out to. There's one of these cards in the seat back of every single one of those chairs. Moms, dads, maybe you need a couple of them. That's fine. Make a list of the things you need to cry out before God. Take it with you. Pray over them throughout this week. Pray with your husband over these things. Pray with your kids over these things. We'll talk about more of that, that more in just a little bit. Let them see God then at work in your life. Don't keep them private. Share them with others. Hannah's desperate prayer, incredibly desperate prayer, did not go unanswered. Samuel is the one that reveals to us that, that God answered her cry in a very unique way. He gave her a son. His name was Samuel. Yeah, he had to talk to his mom to get all this information. 
It's incredible what happens. But this son, she promised to give to the temple. Now, I just want to put the pause button right there. And I want you to imagine, male or female, imagine not having the one thing that you want. You pray to God passionately to, to give that to you with a promise that you'll give that thing back to God. And then he gives you the thing. Would you give it back to God? How hard, how hard would that be? I, I, I don't think we put the emotional side, the human side with these people. Oh, she just dropped him off with Eli at the temple. Bye, Samuel. We'll see you next year. I don't think it was that easy, folks. <laughs> There's a real personal struggle here that had to go on between the gift of God and the promise she made to God. And would indeed she follow through? He gave her a son, a son which names Samuel, the author of the very books we're reading, First and Second Samuel, the great priest, the great prophet, who was in charge of selecting the first king of Israel, Saul, and who selected the greatest king of Israel, David, who happened to have a famous first name in Israel, the king of kings. The Lord of Lords, Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior. An incredible thing. Why? Well, it all goes back to Hannah's faithfulness and Hannah's prayer. Yeah, we can trace it there. That's fine for Jesus. In chapter 2 of Samuel, it records Hannah's prayer after all of this took place. It says, then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted. My mouth boasts. Over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep on talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no she who was barren has borne seven children, but she who had had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and rises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from, needy from the ash heap. He seats them with the princes and has, from them, has them inherit the throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set his world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. And we're with that, we're left Hannah leaving her child, Samuel, with Eli. But there's more to the story. God was more than faithful. Hannah went on to bear at least five more children in addition to Samuel, who she had dedicated to the Lord. Here's the thing. Hannah didn't pray for multiple children. Not at all. She prayed for one. And God blessed her for her faithfulness. It's an incredible scene. The prayers of a faithful mother. There's another famous mom in Scripture that has a pretty famous prayer recorded. It's, it's Mary. This is Jesus' mom. It's one you often hear around Christmas time, but it's probably more appropriate for this day. It's recorded in Luke chapter 1, right after Mary has been encouraged by another soon-to-be mother. Her name was Elizabeth. 
Yet another woman in scripture that was unable to have children. And Mary's song says this in Luke 1.46. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. Do you hear the echoes of Hannah's prayer in there? It's the same prayer. From generation to generation, he has formed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent away the rich empty and handed. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Moms, have you ever thought about writing down some of the prayers that you pray? I wish you would. I really wish you would. And share them with others. You never know who might read them one day. But this relationship with God isn't limited to just moms. Oh, no, no. Grandmas, you got a role. You got a role to play. One of my favorite side-off mentions in all of the scriptures is all about a grandma. It's Paul, the famous apostle that wrote over half of the New Testament books. He's writing about his son in the faith, Timothy. And he writes these words in 2 Timothy 1.5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy's, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And now I am persuaded lives in you also. Just a question. Where do you think Timothy probably first learned about God? <laughs> yeah, it was grandma. I know that's where my wife really first learned about God. It was her grandma. Actually, it was a great grandma, but yeah, the best. Think about it. Think about the importance of that role. Now, those are just a few examples. There are countless other ones in God's word of faithful, praying women. But I want to point out, just for fun, just a couple of, of more recent, shall we say, in history, praying faithful women. If you go back to the 4th century AD, there's this, this ancient church father who now goes by the name of Saint Augustine. Some of you have heard of him, or maybe you visited the town in Florida. I don't know which. I've been there as well. He credits his mother's faithful prayers with ultimately leading him to Christ. You see, his mom, Monica, made a mistake. She married a non-believer. The scriptures warn against that. But she did it, and she faithfully prayed for that unbelieving husband, and she faithfully prayed for those unbelieving children until both of them ultimately came to know Christ. You see, St. Augustine was anything but that prior to coming to know Christ. There wasn't much he didn't do. He was in direct opposition, and his father was a pagan. And they both came to Christ, and look at the difference that that made. A little more recent uh, in our, our country's history, some, some man by the name of George Washington, I think you've heard of him, the father of our country, probably changed the course of American history. I think we could say that. And I would argue probably the course of world history as a result of the way this country was established because... <laughs> of his overwhelming reputation for a few things, humility, perseverance, dignity, honor, strength, sincerity. They're second to none. And one way you can tell that is as society today tries their best to destroy that man, they keep failing. <laughs> because no matter what they say about you, it doesn't stick if it's not ultimately true. He wasn't just a military or revolutionary hero. He was enlisted in the army of his God. The king of kings was his leader. 
And his mother, Mary, shocking name, right, gets a lot of the credit for that. You see, if you didn't know, George was raised and his siblings were raised by a single mom. His father passed away when he was 10. <laughs> the most formative years of the young man's life, his teenage years, he had no father. And look what he went on to become. <laughs> I think he did all right. She found her strength in God alone. It's recorded that there was a rock outside their house that she frequented. That's where she was constantly hurt. And as he would write letters back to her from the Revolutionary War, he relayed to her the work that those prayers were doing as he would have bullet holes in his coat, as he would have horses shot out from underneath him. The miracles, and I do mean that, miracles that surrounded his existence, he said they had to be because of my mama's prayer. All that I am, I owe to my mother, he records. He knew that his triumphs were directly because of the pleadings of his mother. As she diligently prayed and gave birth to ultimately this nation. A God-fearing, courageous leader. I want to close with this. Now, if you are always in prayer, you know, I, I know I'm not. I fail. I'm a sinner. I don't do a good enough job either. These are just suggestions. You may have an extensive list of things to be praying about for your children, your family, and things. Of those. That is awesome. Probably better than this list. But maybe there's something on this short list of five items I'm going to give you that you haven't thought about. And so I'm going to ask you once again, if you haven't already pulled out that notes card, moms, dads, grandparents, neighbors, we'll talk about all the options here in a minute. It could be anyone. Maybe you're just a caring neighbor and there's kids across the street that you see out playing all the time and you just want to lift up that family and those kids. Here's some suggestions of some things that you can pray for them. First of all, this is the most important one of all. Pray for their salvation. Regularly pray for their salvation every day. And if you don't get a chance to pray for your kids or grandkids regularly, then today, I want today to be the day that you start. You're going to get a chance here in just a moment. But, but I want you to take this challenge to the next level because I know many of us do pray for our kids. And that is awesome. That is great. But I want to challenge you to take it to the next level. And I want you to pray with your kids. I want them to actually audibly hear you pray. Why? Because our kids need to know our heart, folks. <laughs> they need to know how much we love them. They need to know how thankful we are for them. They need to know how proud of them we are. We need to know how much we worry about them. It's true. We do. And they really, really, really need to know how much we love our God. And when we put all of these things on display in front of them, as we pour our hearts out to our God in front of them through prayer, then letting our kids know that our faith is very real, it's going to make our faith very real to them doesn't guarantee us anything, but it's possible that God might go on to do amazing things in their life. And maybe one day they'll be on their knees with their kids. And that's all we could ask for as parents, isn't it? A few of those other specific items beyond salvation. Don't, don't just pray that they'll come to know the Lord. Pray that they'll come to know and serve the Lord, all of the days of their life. And remember this, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, it is never, ever too late 
If they're alive and breathing, it is never too late. If you have adult children, it is never too late to pray that God will save them. Never give up. We've seen the power of the persistent prayers of mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers bring those wayward children home. Never give up. Prayer is too powerful. Pray for their commitment. Pray that your children will be committed to the Lord and that they will stay faithful to him. Pray for protection against rebellion. In our country, for some reason, we view rebellion against these things as a rite of passage. Well, everybody's just going to do it. No. No, they don't have to. Parents, be in prayer that they don't. We still love them if they do. That's not it. It's pray that they don't have to experience the pain and suffering and grief that goes along with that sin especially if they come to know Jesus at a very young age. Pray that they will stay the course. The Christian life is not easy in this world. Pray that they, when they are tempted, that they will not stray. Here's the other part, the problem that we run into. Parents, it's not our job to save our kids. In fact, we can't. Only God can do that. But you know what we can do? We can pray. We can do everything within our power to raise them up in the ways of the Lord, to do everything in our power to teach them the ways of the Lord. But teaching isn't enough. We have to show them the ways of the Lord. I can do all of these things and no one can stop me. That's what I can do. Number three, pray. Pray for their current spouse if they're already married or if they're not. I don't care how young. I don't care if they haven't physically been born yet. Pray for their future spouse. Have you begun praying that? Now, I realize first and foremost that God might not call all of our children to marriage. I don't want to discount that, okay? But we don't know that, do we, as parents? And so we begin praying for that spouse that God is preparing for them. God knows who it is. We don't have to know. Pray for their family. Pray for that individual's walk with Christ. Pray for their protection. Pray for their hearts that it won't be corrupted by the things of this world. Pray for their future spouse's entire family, their upbringing right now, that God will guide and direct their parenting as he is guiding and directing yours. That is a powerful prayer. And you're not going to see the answer potentially for decades. But when you do, <laughs> wow, it's going to blow you away. Pray for their calling. They're calling. You see, if we're not careful, it's really easy for us parents to put callings into our kids' lives. We might not even realize we're doing it. Remember, calling is God's job. We can educate them. We can encourage them in their gifts and in their passions. But it's up to God to call them to what he wants them to do, whether that's professionally, whether that's in ministry. Whatever it is, it's up to God. And here's the problem. We have a tendency as parents to want to take over these tasks. And if we do, there's a really good chance we're going to fail our children miserably. Because we had them do what we wanted them to do. Not what God wanted them to do. And we have to remember that. Final one. This might seem like the most obvious one. But I, don't, I dare say it's not the most important. I think number one on the list is the absolute most important. Pray for their protection. Pray for their protection. That covers so many areas, their health, their well-being, their protection against 
the evil one. We're always praying that our kids don't get sick. Do we often pray that they don't get attacked spiritually? Pray that the evil stays away and that they have the strength and wisdom to fight off temptation. And if they don't, pray that they are surrounded by people who do. Pray that God protects them with his mighty, mighty hand. That is a powerful, powerful prayer. Feel free to add to that list anything that you want. You've got that purple sheet. Hopefully you've got that filled out. If not, you're like, oh man, I didn't write any of those down. You can go back online and record them later. Pray those things daily. You see, God has made every woman in this room unique. Unique gifts, unique skills, unique passions, unique abilities, all of which can be helped to raise the current generation of believers, not the next. I don't believe in that. We're all one. We're all one in this thing. Moms, women of the room, I just want you to think. Is there any higher compliment that could be paid to you than having one of your children, whether they are biological or by some other relationship that God provided? Is there anything greater that you could imagine than that person in their adult life one day reflecting back and remembering you as the person that they knew was always in prayer for them? That's a powerful legacy to leave. Challenge you to do that each and every day. Now, I shared with you earlier that uh, we were going to provide an opportunity, and and you know our our goal, my goal, personal goal, is never to force anyone to feel uncomfortable. That's not my role. That's the Spirit's role. It's the Spirit's the one that makes us feel uncomfortable. He just gives me the things to say. So I've been debating all week on how to do this, and here's what I want to ask you: You don't have to. It's completely up to you. But we all have people in our lives that we can pray for, whether we have our own biological children, we have friends, we have neighbors, nieces, cousins, whatever. There are people in our lives that we can pray for. And so I just want to challenge folks today as, as the altar opens up, as we begin to sing, as we begin to take communion, to come before God and lift up those people in our lives. I want to challenge the women of the room to come before God and cry out to him. It doesn't have to be audible. In prayer for those people that he has given you in your life. Maybe you're one of those earlier in the day and your relationship has been difficult, is strained, is impossible even at this point in life. Who knows the situation? Come forward praying for whatever healing can take place. Pray that God just begins to move in that situation, softens your heart if that's what's necessary, softens the heart of the other party if that's what's necessary, allows you to feel as if you can experience his forgiveness maybe for the first time because you were at fault so many years ago. We don't know the situation. He does that, Father God. Father God, as we come before you today to go through this service, Father, the opportunity to come before your altar and lift up our kids. What a powerful, powerful example to them. I pray that our, our body, those watching online, those here in person, those that will watch later, I pray that they realize the importance of not just praying for their kids, but praying with their kids, no matter their age. <laughs> praying with their adult children. Maybe they didn't do that as they were growing up. It's not too late. They could set that example now. Father, we so undervalue prayer in our culture, in our churches today. Father, it's the most powerful weapon we have. It's our direct line of communication to you, and it's available 24-7, 365. Father, take it from us. 
pray that we use that wisdom today in a new and powerful, mighty way. We love you. In your name, amen.